Remember the simpler times in the 90s? The bygone days of Beanie Babies, affordable homes, and endless stream of John Grisham books being turned into blockbusters? Hey, remember Blockbuster? Whether you're looking for a hit of nostalgia, a laugh, or just learning about some of the behind-the-scenes insanity of working in a porn shop the day before Christmas, you have to check out the Talkbuster podcast. An awesome podcast where every episode, Chris Chipman sits down with a guest to talk about the good and the bad of those bygone days. New Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this The Darkest Timeline. I'm Lord Commander Ulrich, with me as always is... His shield brother, Axel Wright. How's it going tonight, man? It is going okay. I spent about an hour and a half in the gym, just watching One Piece while I hung out on the elliptical, doing setups every now and then. Made me feel productive. I was going to say, not totally wasted. Yeah. Hey, progress is progress, I guess. I don't, yeah, know, I don't I, really have anything else to say to watching one watching animated gym. There's, there's no, it's a joke log jam, unfortunately. <laughs> I'll take. It. I mean, the point is that it kept me distracted, so I didn't think about like the actual workout. I could just stay on the elliptical the whole time. Yeah. No. If you just kept working out as long as there is, you know, one piece to watch, you would be Mr. Universe. That is the plan. I'm only on episode 100 of my rewatch right now, so I got like 980 yeah, to like go. A thousand and some episodes with no end in sight. Yeah. Well, actually, arguably an end in sight. Different story. Yes, you're <laughs> accurate. <laughs> anyway, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Not a whole lot going on here. We've started the rainy season, which is always fun because, good God, it's like living in a monsoon. But I also know parts of the country desperately need rain, so... I won't complain too much. Also, I live in a rainforest. I know what I'm, I got most getting myself in. It is quite funny because I live in a desert. And so when I visited Ulrich last month for the first time in eight years, being surrounded by trees was surreal as hell. I told you I live on Kashyyyk, man. I, I basically went from Tatooine to Kashyyyk and yeah, it was a culture shock. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it out here. That's one of the trees. One of the reasons I'm fine with the desert. I'm, I'm fine where I'm at, but it was a cool sojourn. God, no, I hate the no. Fucking sage and scrub brush as far as the eye can see and flatten. Anyway, it's more important. Yes, you have a privilege. Yes, more important things being our patrons. They are Pam Galley, Marky, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Day, Brandon Agnew, John Vinnels, Kit Kenny, Seth Decker, Dona Lucy, Patrick Anderson, Carson Mel, Scott Rubin, Derek Scott, and Peter Cook. Now, if you'd like to join the illustration, head on over to patreon.com forward slash geeks with shields. If you join at our $5 tier over on Patreon, you'll not only get early access to this podcast, but a bunch of extra goodies. Now, we have a illustrious guest today, a frequent guest and shield brother of the podcast who we haven't seen in a while. He's been preoccupied with some personal stuff, but go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, how you doing there, guys? You know, uh, being from New England here and you talking about the rain and the desert, we had one weekend this fucking summer where it didn't rain. Well, that's what you get. I know, for being so awesome. I am so happy to be back. I have not um, recorded or released any material since May, so this is awesome. That's, uh, at time of recording, that makes four months. That's a soldier. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, from my momentum being one a week for, like, three years, this is um, this has been a lot. So I'm, I'm happy to uh, break up of the old cherry pie with my two good buddies. Yeah, and we always love to have the chippa here. <laughs> and there's a certain irony to resurrecting you, you know, during a Bootober episode. They're my favorite. Oh, we love doing Bootober. I mean, we joke about the name, but you know what? 
Yeah, so as that as the name suggests, we are continuing. I think this is our second Bootober recording, which is what we call our Halloween-ish themed episodes for any new people. And Ulrich, why don't you tell the lovely Legion what our Bootober topic for today is? This time we're doing another round of the good, the, the bad, the franchise, this time on The Evil Dead. Now, if you are totally new here and you do not know what the good, the bad, the franchise is, basically, we take a franchise, we discuss the good, we discuss the bad, we talk about the franchise as a whole. Real simple. We're talking about The Evil Dead. So yeah, it's just a fun name for a, a franchise retrospective. It yep. sounds better. <laughs> and ironically... I think Chris was on the first The Good, The Bad, The Franchise for Lord of the Rings. That's right. It's also one of my favorite um, things you guys have concocted. We did. I, uh, I love it. We did Lord of the Rings before we did Mad Max. Yeah, Mad Max was the yes. same. We've only done a handful of The Good, The Bad, The Franchise. Chris yeah, I, just, I thought Mad Max was format. before Lord of the Rings, so okay. No, Chris cool. helped us pioneer this format. He also, well, he's helped us pioneer a couple formats. Yes. <laughs> Hence why he's a shield brother of the podcast. It's what he gets instead of residuals. <laughs> anyway, so the Evil Dead. I find it highly unlikely anyone listening doesn't at least know what the Evil Dead is. But just to be fair and for completeness's sake, the original Evil Dead was a film by Sam Raimi, who is one of my favorite directors, period. I don't know enough of the backstory to really say other than I know he made it on basically a completely shoestring budget they with his friends. From, I think their dad or somebody's dad loaned them the money to help make it. Yeah. And then he looked at his buddy and was like, you could star in it. And yeah, that's how we got Bruce Campbell. Movies with his friends, Bruce Campbell and his brother, you know, Sam, uh, Sam and Ted. And yeah, they made it for no money. And their goal was to make the scariest movie of all time. And arguably they succeeded because the original evil dead is still pretty, pretty fucked to watch. Uh, I don't know. I love the evil, the original Evil Dead. I love it because it feels kind of campy and jokey and dumb. But it's one of those great movies that the making of is almost as interesting as the actual film. But I would argue that, and I and this is kind of a, an interesting thing to me, a lot of times camp can detract from horror. I think Sam, Sam Raimi figured out the perfect way to not do that so that the camp and the horror feed into each other. I mean, I the dead, I argue the original evil dead, the camp is unintentional. It's a budgetary constraint more than they set to make this funny. I don't even think that. I think it's just Sam Raimi's style. Like as we saw more and more of Sam Raimi's stuff, yes. I feel like figuring out how to make something campy and also whatever else he's doing without, while making it the best version of that is something he's very skilled in, which is why he's one of my favorite directors, period. The other thing about this movie is it shows what a incredible director he would become because of his simple camera tricks that, again, they're doing shit on shoestring budgets. You see, like, Raimi Vision is a thing that was pioneered in this movie, and it looks really good. I got pulled away from what my, my overall thing I was saying, but I was just going to say that, yeah, it's a movie about some people who go into a cabin in the middle of the woods. Read from a book they shouldn't. Read from a book they shouldn't, and then yeah, demons slash ghosts. It, it and then that's it. That's it. It's pretty simple, actually. Chris, thoughts? Oh man, so this brings me way back to um, God. I would have to be like 14, 13 years old, and and my brother Bob bringing Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two home from the video store because uh, we had just seen Army of Darkness. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 he was like, man, you know there's these other two movies and he had read a lot about them and I was younger. And so we just kind of free, free based all three. And, um, I, I have to agree with, um, Axel's original comment. 
um, about how, you know, Raimi might not have been a seasoned um, director as far as budget or, you know, time making films. But you can see that through line of camp and everything he's ever made. He just can't seem to shy away from it. Even when, like the first Evil Dead, the movie outside of the campiness of the vibe and the look is pretty damn scary. Um, whereas the other ones, the comedy seems to be more um, intentional. Um, in the original, it's it's a really scary movie that just happens to have a, a campy approach to the framing and the cinematography and the acting. Um, but the, the horror is definitely real. And it, it's just one of those movies that even though like now there's a million movies like it, it just felt so unique watching it the first time. It really if that makes sense. Inspirations on its sleeve. Like it feels very hammer horror in the blood is that bright red viscous Kerosurp blood. And it is funny because Evil Dead 1, I watched one time. And I see, I was about to say, literally for me, Evil Dead 2 is my favorite in the franchise. But it's we'll a get lot of people's to... favorite, but we'll get to that one here. In a yeah, we'll get to that in a second. I'm just saying that, like, I respect the hell out of Evil Dead. I think it's funny that in Evil Dead 2, they, he kind of recreates it, but with new budget and lessons yeah. learned. But, but Evil Dead 1 is that it's because of that, like, ratio that Chris was just mentioning, Evil Dead 1 being... Uh, leaning more into direct scary stuff is why it doesn't have like rewatch appeal for me because I'm not generally into scary things, but damn, I respect the fuck out of it. <laughs> yeah, no, this is my favorite quotes. Like someone once asked uh, Sam Raimi what his secret to comedy is. And he said, it's funny when Bruce gets hurt <laughs> because all of them were three Stooges fans. So they kind of carried the three Stooges slapstick energy into this movie, which also kind of leads into Bruce Campbell's career from here. But uh, I know I've shared this story before, but I'll share it again. I don't remember when I first saw Evil Dead. It was one of those movies I saw at some point in my horror binging career. But Slagathoris is always fun because she was getting a tattoo and our tattoo artist husband comes in and says, hey, we're watching Evil Dead. I hope everyone likes tree rape. And she looked at me and said, no, no, it makes sense in context. And admittedly, still not a good thing to have. But yeah. To me, the, the tree is the one spot in the movie that's like, that doesn't hold up well. It but. doesn't, but when you understand this is coming post Craven's I Spit on Your Grave exploitation horror as the influence, which... Well, there's there's even more to it than that. So, so if you watch a lot of the making ofs and the listening tos of all of these, Rob Tapert, who's um, uh, Sam Raimi's um, production partner, and also a guy that, you know, grew up, went to school with him and Bruce Campbell. Tapert is a degenerate, like self, <laughs> self, self-proclaimed. Yeah. And him and, and him and Sam argue. Tapert comes from more of like the trauma, like low-level, like sexploitation horror world, which, you know, a lot of people have have that kink. They go in that direction where Raimi wanted to make Looney Tunes films yep. that, that happen to be scary. And so you can hear them arguing in the on the making ofs of all of them you know like they'll they'll be like a, a boob that pops out and sam will be like you know that doesn't really fit with what i was going for but rob got control of set that day so we just let him have it you know you know by the way that's why my this is fascinating there's so many good things. they went through what they call shemps which is people eventually got fed up working on this movie so they had to shemp in a hand or an arm or a head by the way, that concept that Sam Raimi basically wanted to make Looney Tunes is probably one of my favorite photo of him. It involves him wearing like a button-up white shirt, but he's covered in blood with like a like a blade through his neck or something, and he's just smile like having this goofy ass face at the camera. 
love the man. <laughs> Another thing that I that I find really interesting is how you know these movies, especially the first two, were getting made in like the pre Fangoria, you know, pre internet time period. Yeah, and what yet, year was Evil Dead One? Evil Dead One was filmed in seventy eight and released in eighty one. Okay, and it owes a big chunk of its success to Stephen King. Right. Yeah, exactly. He, 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 uh, and, and back when that meant even more, he yeah. patriated this movie. Um, but it was really cool how in New Zealand, um, Peter Jackson, you know, of, of, you know, Lord of the Rings fame, as we talked about, was basically doing his own weird Kiwi version of this, you know, him and Raimi had a very similar approach to the slapstick and the silliness and the, the weird, almost disembodied camera shots, but on completely opposite ends of the world. And I think that's really cool. Well, you know what's funny? There are a lot of reasons why I like Sam Raimi's particular style in his movies. But one thing I want to point out and put a special lens on, my two favorite directors, period, are Sam Raimi and Edgar Wright. And both of them do something that I don't see enough, I think, in other directors. And not just like the similarity of it, but just the, the fact they do this at all. Which is I feel like both the directors are very adept at using the medium of film to tell to to do tonal jokey or just interesting and what i mean by that is like transitions or camera angles or like, like don't get me wrong there's nothing wrong with a, a solid shot reverse shot when you're doing you know an expository or uh, a character driven piece but i so few directors even really well ones i see use editing and like how things are filmed as an integral part of how their story is conveyed the way those two do. And you can see it right here in the first Evil Dead. Sam Raimi was doing from the beginning. Yeah, you're talking about like the Raimi vision. Yeah, I mean, that's one aspect of it. Also, just the kind of angles he chooses or how he'll yeah. do like, oh, we've got Bruce Campbell in, in a scene where he's, he's you know, kind of normal. And the camera will just, for no apparent reason, will just shift like we're on a fucking ship or something. But it, yeah. No, like the crazy things he does to get the shots that he wants, like some of the big famous things, like the floating across the water was Sam Raimi with a camera on a raft up to his neck in a swamp just to get that one. Um, the scene of the camera coming through, you know, the window and shattering the glass was because he couldn't get his actress to scream, you know, loud enough. So basically he surprised her by ramming a two by four on it with a T-bit on the end through the window with the camera so she would scream and react to the camera being shattered, you know. Screen being shattered. He's very much, he knows the shots he wants and he will do what it takes to get them kind of director. I do have mixed feelings about that, but I'm always iffy about. It's, it's, it's not like abusing the actors so much as he's, he's putting himself in a, in a lot of these ones. Yeah. I just wanted to point out that, yeah, I just wanted to point out that one of my favorite things about Sam Raimi was evident in that first one. Yes. This is, there's so much Sam Raimi goodness baked into this first movie. It's why it's so good. Yeah. Which and, is why Evil Dead 2 is interesting because it basically feels like, okay, people know who my name now. I've got money. I'm going to basically remake the first one for like the first half hour, 45 minutes of this one before doing a bunch of new stuff in my head. <laughs> you got money. Yeah. And Evil Dead 2, as far as I'm concerned, is basically just Evil Dead, but dialed up in a lot of ways. I, I, honestly, I, I will admit that basically the scariness is dialed down, but that's, I think, in favor of, for lack of a term, the the atmosphere. Like, the, I, I can't think of a more a better way to say this, but the evil deadness. Like, you locked into it. Like, when I think of Evil Dead, one of the first things I think of is the the mounted 
like animal head turning and the way it jerks and shifts before it starts talking to people and uh, that's and the whole where everyone's just laughing and then ash starts laughing and then ash starts shooting yeah exactly and to me that's like that scene is one of two that is peak evil dead and the other one is i mean anyone who's watched evil dead knows the other one is him fighting his own hand both Which are in this it's it's absolutely brilliant and like the the evil dead the original one right is is a very unique looking film but it feels as though other movies that tried to do the creepy cabin in the woods thing tried to riff off of the original evil dead's look because evil dead 2 still today feels wholly unique right like not even the other movies in the series really look quite like evil dead 2 there's just something about the speed the, the movie almost feels sped up like they filmed it in slow motion and it's it's a very weird feeling where it's almost like they took the first movie and then said okay let's shoot those scenes again but everyone's going to be on laughing gas like it's just it's really really weird how it's basically the same thing but and, tonally just so different and part of what i love about that is that because evil dead one i think is much more in for lack of a better term pure horror movie zone evil dead 2 actually accomplishes this weird thing where by so quickly shifting between this is obviously a looney tunes bit to this is obviously a texas chainsaw massacre bit it it makes the audience at least in my experience feel like they can't get a foot for most of the movie like it it, it creates an awkward uncomfortableness that i think is definitely the point where it's like you're you're never allowed to settle into an understanding of what we're dealing with. Like one moment you've got a character saying ridiculous nonsense stuff underneath the trap door that's kind of ridiculous funny, and then it cuts to her just peeking out from under the door in this horrifying vignette that's so iconic they keep on using it over and over again for yeah. follow-up movies. Well, they look cool. What was really scary and good about Evil Dead, the Evil Dead? I'm like, okay, let's redo that. Now we got a budget. Let's throw in some monsters. Let's throw in some humor. Well, the Evil Dead is where Sam Raimi's kind of formed. Evil Dead 2 is where Bruce Campbell is formed. Also true. Yep. <laughs> because they figured out, like, again, it's funny when Bruce gets hurt because he's a great physical comedian, but he's also very charismatic. And it's like, oh, you kind of have this hero energy, but you don't have the ego. You can take a spill because, you know, you haven't got the Hollywood ego to you yet. Funny enough, even once funny enough, even once Bruce Campbell did apparently get some of that, I still feel like he recognizes his strengths and never really stopped allowing himself to get beaten the hell out of. Yeah. Well, he came up working film, so he knew the importance of a paycheck. Yeah. And you know, he never really seems to get the sense of I'm too good for this. Because I think it's very much if every if you're passionate about this, that's what matters. Yeah, I admit I I don't have any firsthand knowledge. I just know that wretched uh Guest of the podcast, Wretched, he knows someone who directly worked with him on a project. And apparently he wasn't the nicest on that project, but that's just one anecdote. So I'm not going to take that the as gospel. Closest I've gotten is I have I had a friend who got to see him speak and he's like, yeah, he's kind of got grumpy old man energy, but he is an old man. And the best advice he gave him is someone asked, like, how do you know any advice for breaking into film in L.A.? And he's like, don't don't go to L.A. because Everyone's in LA. And you know what? They don't want your movies. They don't care about your movies. They don't have the passion that you and your friends have about your movies. Instead, make your movies here where your friends and your passion are, and then take it to LA. Because that's what we did, and we made the Evil Dead. And like that's actually really solid. 
Yeah, I, I know. I know so many people who have met him, and I just would love to. He was, he did a live something. What was it that he did? Oh, he came to um the Cabot, which is a theater up the road from us in Beverly, and he did an hour long like Bruce Campbell thing, and then showed the new Evil Dead movie after it. And um, I I really wanted to go check that out just to see the guy. You know? Yeah. <laughs> By all accounts, he loves Ash and the Evil Dead, but he's also done playing Ash. Yeah. Anyway, back to Evil Dead 2 real quick. Another thing I want to point out about that, I, I mentioned the laughing taxidermy. There, there's something very specific about that, too, that I want to point out that Evil Dead 2 is very adept at, which is weaponizing the uncanny valley. Yeah. I don't know how to phrase it any different than that. Like, it feels like the artificial puppets and whatnot are constructed perfectly. Usually their eyes do this to... They, they crack the deadite. That first time out, they kind of had it. Second time out, they had deadites locked in to this is what a deadite is. Yeah, and it hits that perfect, like, something is wrong about yeah. this. <laughs> it's not a zombie. It's not a demon. It's something else. And the effects on this movie cannot be argued are some of the best that have ever been put to film. Yeah, well, arguably- it was it was the height of all of these guys, like, kind of honing their craft, but also the height of you know mid 80s perfection of practical effects and rotoscoping and all the it, it, you know there's a really really great matte painting shot when the bridge is out mm-hmm. that like you don't see that in anything anymore the closest i've seen in a recent movie that reminded me of that shot was intentionally trying to ape it um shots like that and it was in um Malignant. Yeah, was the, the, the James Wan's latest movie. Felt very yes, exactly. And it's funny because the way that Ulrich said it a second ago, like a fully decomposing, like graphically built, like zombie, is somehow not as unsettling as what they landed on with the Deadites and just their eyes. <laughs> it's the it's the all in the eyes and a little bit, you know, in the forehead. They give them the kind of wrinkled brow. And yeah, no. And again, they, they kept what works in the Evil Dead. They keep that bright red Caro Serp blood that's sticky and viscous. And Bruce Campbell once described as it dries on you like whale jizz. <laughs> I also love that the, the basic narrative construction in Evil Dead 2, that Ash is this guy who's gone through the worst night possible, but is still like the good guy. And then a bunch of people show up and to their eyes, He's a raging psychotic. Again, real smart use of basically horror tropes up to that point. It was kind of like a proto Tucker and Dale when yep. you think about it exactly. a bit. Exactly. Well, you can see the fingerprints of the Evil Dead on so much horror that comes out after this, even if it's just, you know, creepy cabin in the woods. Yeah, and since the Evil Dead 2 is just the Evil Dead, but more, you can just kind of lump them together. We can have a climax this time. Yeah. Now... The third one, Army of Darkness, does not fall in that category because that was basically, let's do a completely different genre. <laughs> that was Sam Raimi fighting with... See, I haven't actually heard the behind-the-scenes stuff on it. I just know that I love Army of Darkness, and it's it's quotable as all hell, but oh, it's it's a Army fantasy Army. adventure movie with some horror elements. Yeah. <laughs> just remember, the film, the film is not called Army of Darkness. It is actually Bruce Campbell versus Army of Darkness because yeah. the original title was... Bruce Campbell versus the medieval dead was the actual title of the film. And I've always loved that. 
It's a wonderful title. <laughs> you know, there's some production issues. I don't remember the exact details, but The Evil Dead's an indie is an independent film. The second one, I forget who owns it. And then Army of Darkness was a third one. So they couldn't use any of the footage from the first uh, Evil Dead in the second, in the third movie. So they had to get creative and reshoot around a couple things. Mm. One thing I love about Army of Darkness is that it almost feels like, like if it was in the hands of a less genuine creator, I think it could have come off as like parody kitsch kitsch i can never say that word properly but because Raimi, i feel like this comes through in his filmmaking is just so genuine about his influences and how he likes to adapt them it comes off as lovingly independent in its own thing as opposed to a, a parody which i've seen some people accuse army of darkness of being and i don't think it's accurate no because what's it parodying exactly it's just sam Raimi took his ideas and went what if there were knights i like knights yeah Chris, this is my boomstick. <laughs> no, so, you know, our army of darkness. So to go back to that story about, you know, having to watch Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. So army of darkness, when we went um, vacationing up in Tamworth, New Hampshire, which is in the White Mountains region. And we went there every year of my childhood. The day we went, we'd always go out to this tiny little hole in the wall shopping center and get a mad magazine and a Fangoria. And me and my brother spent that like two weeks um, while we were vacationing, like dreaming about Army of Darkness, right? Because they just covered it like crazy in Fangoria. So getting to see that when that inevitably came out on video was wild. And that's what switched us on to want to watch Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. So, you know, people say a lot, it's always the first one you watch that's your favorite. And that didn't happen with me. Um, and, and I flip-flop. I can't decide if Evil Dead or Evil Dead 2 is my favorite, but Army of Darkness is my favorite one to watch. Yeah. Because it's just so all over the place. And um, another thing, you know, it, it's got one of the best um, uh, commentaries. And it's the one where they make, basically, Rob Tabert leaves the room for the scene where the skeletons are like marching with evil ash and they have the slave women and they're making fun of Rob. Yes. Yes, Sam. Well, you're not looking show more boobs. <laughs> you know, They're just making fun of them. And, um, uh, it's the first time I believe that Raimi worked with Danny Elfman. Yo, by the way, yeah, I didn't know didn't that he do the whole score, but he wrote the March of the Deadites. Um, Oh, I can, I can definitely hear that. No, this Cause is like now it's one, uh, I showed it to my daughter last year. I'm like, I feel like this is, just scary enough for you and just silly enough you're gonna get it and she loved it she's like oh that was that was hilarious i love when he has to fight the little versions of himself well here's funny a funny thing about what chris just said i feel like evil dead 2 might be the perfect halloween movie as in i'm having a halloween party and people are not really paying attention to the screen so we throw that up there so people can but army of darkness can is not the perfect for ver any version of that but can do that any theme party i yeah. think does that make sense yeah no, yeah, no army of darkness would be a great movie to have on during D. &D. <laughs> absolutely that would distract your players a bit too much or everyone just does evil ash voice yeah <laughs> sally 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 fourth yeah it's kind of a it's kind of a perfect half pay attention to a movie and I, I mean that as a positive. I feel like that can easily be taken as a negative. But I do mean that as a positive. Like, you can just kind of turn away from Army of Darkness and then come back and be like, oh, I'm, I'm back into this. Like, you can dip in and out it's of it without... a plot-heavy movie. You kind of know where it's going. And not like, oh, there's an evil Ash now. Okay. Oh. That makes sense. 
By the way, if you're listening to this and you have not seen these movies, which is possible, I mentioned how Evil Dead 1 was house in woods and demon possession stuff. Evil Dead 2 is basically a recreation of that. Army of Darkness is Ash, our main character, goes into a portal that takes him back to medieval times, and then he fights those same demons, but with, like, medieval night shit. Oh, no. He doesn't fight them. He undoubtedly, after going through this essentially twice, since Evil Dead 2 is basically a remake of Evil Dead 1, and then his own movie (laughs) inadvertently unleashes them again. Yeah, true, true. (laughs) Which is one of my favorite references to other films. Do you know what the um, uh, saying he's supposed to do to stop the Deadites from coming is uh, from? Klaatu Narada Victo? Do you know what that's from? I remember reading what it's from once, but I don't remember. That is what you use to stop Klaatu in The Day the Earth Stood Still. Ah, that's right. And I look Klaatu, Verata, <clears throat> necktie. <laughs> I watched that movie a bunch with my dad, and that's like the one party trick I can still pull that amazes him. It's like, I remember the kill phrase for the giant robot, and he thinks it's because of The Day the Earth Stood Still. It's because Army of Darkness, but... It funny is that the way. yeah I, I i just illustrate that i don't have it memorized the only reason why i actually know it pretty well is because in borderlands 2 the character gage i play with will say it somewhat frequently <laughs> as you do stuff so i heard it a bunch yeah. and another thing that's a cool recommendation is army of darkness and willow came out very close to each other and they they both have a similar um like horrifically weird things in more of like a lighter like tone kind of movie like i feel like willow has some it's got some serious dark shit and this movie has some serious dark shit but they're very similar in tone and i feel like a back-to-back watching of the two of them would be awesome i also i also feel like army of darkness and i i mentioned this earlier but to clarify a little bit i i love how it almost approaches the line of pure farce like yeah. it manages to stay on the right side of it, but it it toes up right to it, and I in the best possible way, I think. Well, this is what's great, right? Uh, is I think Army of Darkness has my some of my favorite Ash lines. Yes, it has yes. some of my favorite. It has my favorite Ash gets ready for battle yep. scenes because it involves Tim finding an old chemistry book in the trunk of his car and using it to make gunpowder and like oh, it's so good because well, they were college students in that first movie it's it's awesome and i you know speaking of it now because uh, we didn't touch on it yet there there's the car the classic the which classic. is in everything you have on this list somewhere even it's the remakes every single sam raimi project ever, um, despite bruce's attempt to kill it yeah so speaking of lists the next thing on the list is the first thing that i don't have like any experience with ulrich has written games comics the musical I know some comic stuff because I know there was like Alien versus Predator versus Ash or maybe it was Terminator versus I know there was a comic with Ash crossing over with a bunch of things that I didn't read but I read about and I heard was fun. But I have never played an Evil Dead game, even though I've seen some clips from one. I don't know what it was on. And I've never even heard of the musical, but it doesn't surprise me. So I've I've yes, so so I have experience with all three. Okay, you can um, this on this one. I, I have not seen the musical, but I have seen clips from it. I have friends that have gone to see it. I think it was primarily a Canadian production, but might have moved through the U.S. recently. I think it was started in Canada. But um, it, 
it's brilliant. It's it's Evil Dead by way of like a spam a lot kind of approach, That's and it heard. it it really nails Raimi um like really well. Definitely leans more into the Army of Darkness like pure on whimsy side of it, but it still has a lot of fun. Um, the comics. The ones I recall, and maybe there's been more runs, but the ones I recall were the ones that came about when The Walking Dead was first really popular before the show. Like, so like late 90s, early 2000s. I think they were Dark Horse. And um, and, and they, they were fun. It was it was basically just a comic version of the movies. Um, they, they did other stories, but it was that tone. But the games, the games were interesting because the games didn't come out when any of these were big, right? Except so it's the like the one that came and went and died in illustrious, illustrious. So there was there was a PlayStation one game that came out like way near the end of PlayStation one. That was a Resident Evil survival horror style game, but it used it was one of the last that still used the cool PS one way of cheating with graphics with pre-rendered backgrounds and the pre-rendered backgrounds of the cabin and the woods and everything were awesome but the game was it was like silent hill light would be the best way to describe it um but then on ps2 they made one that was like it was just like a beat-em-up it was just like ash running through the forest with like like an old-fashioned side scroller but it was a 3d game but it was just on countless armies of deadites yes and it was a lot of fun it's not a great game but it was a lot of fun and then i missed there was a there was a bunch of them they just kept making them it was really weird but then they did like dead by daylight there was a download where you could play as ash Uh, actually another one no it's not even a download uh, I mean, yes, he Ash is just now a character yes. in Dead by Daylight. But there was right. also like a Dead by Daylight style game called The Evil Dead. Which well, just that one. Yeah, no, it's just called Evil Dead the game, oh, and it's yeah. totally, it is totally. I don't want to call it like totally Dead by Daylight, but it's an asymmetrical competitive game where you've got survivors and you've got a deadite, and the main trick that makes it different than other games like that is that as a deadite you can possess fucking anything. Yeah, I don't think it did very well it did okay but it did end up in uh 2019 i have the page up right now it basically ceased all plans for further content although the servers are still on so it is still playable it kind of came out in that glut when we had the predator game and the friday the 13th game admittedly dead by daylight's the only one that's really survived that and it dead by daylight is kind of amazing so i get it but it, it i haven't played dead by daylight but it feels like it keeps going through a combination of momentum and really good gameplay also dead by daylight has a lot of great licensed material i mean they just released the xenomorph like within the last yeah. month or something so i i have not gotten the chance to play dead by daylight but i i did play a lot of the friday the 13th game and i would love to see an evil dead game in that style it was i mean that's what that's what evil dead the game was yeah yeah oh that's awesome and it's fun when it works and as far as i gathered it never really worked all the time sidebar in dead by daylight i like to play as michael myers almost exclusively so all right next on the list is the evil dead in 2013 which i did not watch because i saw the trailer and i was like well this looks like they're going back to the pure horror less funny and not really my bag. So I saw this one at first. I'm like, you can't reboot the Evil Dead. The Evil Dead is sacred text. How dare you? And then I saw the trailer. I'm like, oh, 
Okay, you're making good on the promise of the first one, and this is the scariest movie ever made. And I loved it, and I still love it today. Yeah, me, me too. I, I adore this movie. It's it's like, it's one of those things where you think, like, you think the tone wouldn't work because it, it looks like Evil Dead, right? You, every 30 seconds, you want the movie to just get silly. And it and it doesn't. And I mean that in a good way. Like it tricks you into thinking it's going to drop away or turn the camera or have a joke cracked. And instead it just it's just vile. <laughs> like yeah. the yes. level. I, I want to people did with a budget. Yeah, I want to be clear. Just because I say that the trailer looked like not my bag doesn't mean I think it's a bad idea oh, for them to would hate this. This is uh, just... no, no. So, so I, I want to make a, uh, I want to make a different statement. I do not think Axel would hate this. I, I think, think Axel, too, it's too hard for him. I think, I think, I, think, I, I just, I just want to make, make a point though, okay, go ahead. that, that this film though, well, it gives you two acts of purely like evil dead one, like almost like the antithesis of what Raimi did, even though it's its own thing. It literally is waving around this flag of, look, I'm different. And it nails it because the scary things about Evil Dead are all still the things that are scary about Evil Dead. They just amped it up, right? But the third act, even though it does it in a serious, non-jokey way, is literally like a perfect Sam Raimi-style third act because it yep. goes bonkers in unfortunately it goes bonkers into like serious over-the-top horror but in a very ramy like the camera angles start getting dutched and the ramy vision starts up and it just it gets really bonkers but in a like hard to watch level way yeah. but i think it's worth the ride it, but the, the first two acts especially because they they do the brilliant thing of why would all of these people come to the cabin and not just leave immediately and it's because they're helping their friend detox and their friend is the only one seeing the ghosts. So it's just such a brilliant way to like, of course they'd stay. They think she's just having visions because she's coming down off hard drugs. Like it, it's brilliant. Yeah. We've all seen train spotting. That's what he's seeing. <laughs> exactly. And, and um, it, it, it's just totally decides to be so not what the Raimi movies ended up being that it, it makes you appreciate it and them more because it's using the same blueprint to just pull something different. Well, it recognizes there's no point in trying to be Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi is Sam Raimi with his own iconic styles. Like, I'm going to be my movie. And like my favorite thing is you can 100% read this as in the continuity of the Evil Dead franchise. Well, especially if you watch to the end of the credits. Yeah, well, the classic is there. It's there, tangled in the woods, abandoned next to the cabin. Yes, it is, which means the other movies could have just happened. Exactly. There's the scene. They find the necklace. They, all these little things. And again, the ending is literally a direct reference to it all. But it also is just it. And people, I think, often misremember just how gritty and horrible the evil dead is and what the violence has done to people. A woman gets stabbed in the ankle with a pencil. So the evil dead was never tame. This one just goes, what are 2013 sensibilities of violence? Oh, hypodermic needle to the eye. That's good. Well, in, and it does it in a, um, even though it's stylized and it's a new movie and it all has to look so good and perfect, there's like a gritty filter. It almost feels like, you know, we mentioned that Raimi, you know, apes a lot of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in some of his, this one feels like, like an, updated version of that it feels voyeuristic yeah. the camera doesn't like do anything like hey something cool's happening something cool's happening it just kind of makes you sit there and watch it 
Yep. And, and it's just so not right. Again, it, it, it captures that feel of the evil part of the evil dead. I'm like, oh, this is just. And then the payoff at the end is this big hope. Thank you for sitting through all of that blood and carnage and grit and grime and terrible stuff. Here's that, but with some dumb fun on top, because at its core, this is the evil dead. Yeah, it's, oh, able yes. to, it's able to be done dumb fun while still being horrific. Yeah. But you can, as a viewer, you just start giddily jumping up and down because you go, hey, they literally made it rain blood. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because I'm not inherently against a movie just being an uncomfortable watch. I mean, one of my top 10 favorite movies ever is Nightcrawler for basically doing exactly that to me. But I, so I wouldn't be like against if someone, like if Woonvog was like, hey, you want to watch evil dead 2013 i'd be like well i'm probably gonna have a drink first but sure so i won't like i'm not gonna go out of my way for it but i you know i'd watch it before well, i want to what, what's cool about it is it is it pays off your struggle like like evil dead 2 called itself the ultimate experience and grueling terror and that's a little bit tongue-in-cheek but but the evil dead 2013 it pays off you kind of having to watch it through your fingers for the first two acts to giving you fun but not fun in a like there's no like looney tunes score paying it just they let your main character kind of take over in an ash kind of way but it's not the same way and it just balls to the wall just gets nuts you know and i, and I love it yeah i, I hate mentioning this because i know that auric hates it and hates that i keep bringing it up but the experience you just described sounds like the experience i had with barbarian because I literally spent the first two acts of that looking through my fingers and then spent the last act giggling because it was goofy. Then maybe you'll like the Evil Dead because it's the good version of what Barbarian set out to be. Anyway, that brings us to... I'm going to hold my comments on Barbarian. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I brought it up enough times. I don't want to bring it up every time we talk scary movies. It just happened to be the last like real scary movie that I liked. I did like Vo Last Voyage of the Demeter, but that wasn't really a scary movie, even though it kind of pretends to be anyway that, that was pretty awesome that movie yeah. i loved it but again it's not really a scary movie it's alien on a boat and there's nothing wrong with recreating alien over and over again i will hold to that <laughs> anyway ash versus the evil dead i watched two seasons of that i don't know how many seasons there were but i love the two there, i watched there are three and it's one of the best television shows ever crafted by humans yep. yeah it's wonderful <laughs> it's, it is it is everything that we said that was good about actually even the remake of the evil dead because some of the ash versus evil dead stuff goes kind of hard out of nowhere um but it's just all around fun it's bruce campbell at like the top of his game and somehow the supporting cast they brought in that weren't people like you immediately recognize like lucy lawless um were all there to play and they all rocked i do love yeah. that it is funny because i feel like when you actually, I don't know how to think about this because there are so many good television shows that are basically one person like jobs or uh, vehicles for one performance, even if other people are good in it. Like that's basically what House is, and most Sherlock adaptations when you actually think about it. And Ash vs. the Evil Dead fits in that same kind of bill, where it's like, as far as I'm concerned, there are two reasons to to watch this primarily. One, Bruce Campbell doing the Bruce Campbell thing for a show and a lot of a show. And, and two, any Deadite scene, because they go hard with it. The fact that his sidekicks are actually cool people and interesting characters, too, is just, like, fucking gravy. Well, we get, it's the, the first season's great because it gets the dichotomy of someone who sees Ash the way we all see Ash as fans of the franchise. And a character's like, 
I don't know who you are or why anyone thinks you're special. You're just an old dude without a hand. And and I like I like the lore additions that they yes. do. I like that they give they give the deadites in the book more story. And it it does what too many television shows that come after an IP fail to do, or at least failed to do for a while. It doesn't overstay its welcome. The episodes are a half hour long and they are like there's no fat on them. Like and the first season did this wonderful like like creature of the week thing just because that works like we want to see ash face off against however many things we can and then it gained so many viewers that they decided to make season two and season three more of sequels to the movies and it was just really cool that they were able to change that and play around it's it's like evil dead is Raimi's sandbox and and him and his buddies will never stop trying to um build upon it they won't just let it be one thing and i think that's great and that's the thing like bruce campbell has said in interview multiple times like multiple times he said you know i've hung up the chainsaw i'm too old i don't want to do it anymore but if sam asks me then well i might have to come back because you know it's sam and because he was really mad about the cancellation of this show and that was when he kind of said you know what i'm done i'm retiring the chainsaw no more ash Unless well, Sam the, comes to me. And the third season is arguably the best one. Yes. And that, that's what's wild. Like that they just it's, pulled it the plug before it even took off. And had a weird time slot. And it is funny because as a, as a quick side tangent related though, uh, how many follow-up shows to like old things really have worked? Because in, in my personal estimation, it's like Ash vs. Evil Dead and Cobra Kai. And that's, that's like all I could think of. Like I like that '90s show, but it's not really. I can't. Yeah. So, so that that '90s show succeeds in just being the same show, which I yeah, give it but credit that's not for. Like a, a big movie, though. No, and and Full House succeeds. Fuller House succeeds in just being the same show. Um, but yeah, you're right. Cobra Kai, Ash versus Evil Dead, isn't there? And isn't there another one? Like I said, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, the Terminator. Series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That and um and the, the screen show was interesting scream is an interesting one i will say funny thing about scream oh chucky yeah chucky's another interesting one the show is not half bad well chucky is i think the show might be the best thing they've done with that franchise i I think it you might fits like a glove so child's play and everything related to child's play is almost far more interesting to read about the behind the scenes stuff as far as i'm concerned but well agreed and and at the end of this but ulrich and i were doing a um (laughs) A little brain experiment the other night but when we we get to the end of this having a quick convo about you know is this right here and i think we're kind of proving it by talking the most successful horror franchise that's ever existed um because i think it is because none of it's bad yeah so let's <laughs> um, go with that hold on hold on wait oh, before wait. we transition so any because i, I, I want to touch on that for just a second because my favorite my favorite quote-unquote horror movie is still john carpenter's halloween but that's not for like it being scary and i can easily admit that there are films in it that are bad you know what that's that's my favorite horror film so i'm right there with you you know what actually we'll we'll come back i do want to talk about let's evil dead rise evil dead rise (laughs) i saw this in theaters i was excited for this it's okay that's so the trailer scared the hell out of me so i watched this twice and um i i think what all that stuff we said about the evil dead 2013 leaning hard into trying to be as non-Sam Raimi as possible. Evil Dead Rise can't decide which one it wants to do. Unfortunately. 
And so the stuff that really works in Evil Dead Rise is the unique stuff. Um, the the mum is an incredibly well-crafted deadite. I love everything they do with the mother. She scares the shit out of me. Oh, fuck yeah. Um, and it's brilliant. But any time the movie decides that the characters are going to have catchphrases and that they're going to do stuff, it feels like they're just trying to ape the Ash version of Evil Dead and not as well as like the TV show did it. And so it's a bummer, but what I will say is I think Evil Dead Rise is the best Evil Dead fan film. Oh, because I know I know that the director is a huge fan. He made it for almost no money. You can tell because the movie looks like it has a maybe a little less expensive than The Walking Dead. Well, I, I was about to say, let me I was about to ask because I didn't see it and you two did, but from the trailer, one thing I thought was impressive about it just from the trailer was I was like, okay, this looks like they're doing like a bottle movie like the cabin, but with like an apartment and and it it works really well. Yeah. I I was interested in that basic conceit. So, so here's what, what I think after watching it twice, the biggest problem with it is structurally. So it, it has this bookend where it ties it into a cabin and the book and this stuff that, that doesn't really, they don't do anything with it. So it's kind of like a, why blow this early? Like, give me, this is like the prologue, you know, kind of thing. Um, but it also does this like, okay, it's a movie about the kids surviving the mom. And then it turns into this, like, almost like the thing where they introduce this cool new thing. The deadites can do is like the last page of the book where they're basically making like an amalgam demon of all the people they've possessed. Chekhov's and wood it, chipper. yeah. And, and then Chekhov's wood chipper is there, but it like, it feels like three vignettes in a horror anthology that they oh, just stuck together as one that movie. That would have been really good. Like an Evil Dead anthology. What I think would have been even better, because I actually watched the first film that this director made. It's called The Hole in the Ground. I believe it's I believe it's Welsh, Scottish, but it I can see why they gave him this job because that movie's just awesome. It's Irish because he's Irish. I remember he did an interview with King about it. But but this movie, you can tell where he was in full control and where it was just okay, let's get this shot done, because some of it has really bad CG blood and like some really bad blue screening stuff but the puppetry and stuff is really cool so it, it just when it like the things it shows in the trailer like with like the cheese grater and stuff like that that make you think it's going to be as insane as evil dead 2013 they kind of fall flat to jokes yeah that, that's my biggest thing like i we, i saw this with uh, our friend seth decker and he asked me what i thought afterwards i'm like you know it was it was kind of tame and he said dude what do you mean i'm like it just None of that was the big, oh my God, shock horror moments of 2013's Evil Dead. It was just like, yeah, that's gory, but that's not Evil Dead gory. This isn't what, bumping any what, what I would have loved is if they made this movie, left out the opening bits that tie it into the Necronomicon and all the other stuff, and have this shit go down, and then in the third act, have them uncover the book, and have it be... Ho ho, you thought you were watching something similar the whole time. Guess what? This is a full-on fucking Evil Dead movie. And that would have been a lot cooler to me than what we got, which promised Bugnuts crazy, you know, one-upping Evil Dead 2013 and instead gave kind of like Army of Darkness level, like, silliness. Can I say, by the way, that what you just described, I feel like doesn't happen nearly as much as I wish it did. Like... One of the reasons why Underwater is still my favorite movie of 2019 and one of my favorite quote-unquote scary movies ever is because, spoiler alert, I had no fucking clue that it was a Lovecraft movie until the very end. 
Hard and, same. Yeah, and then that same thing I've wanted from other things. I remember years and years ago when those first trailers for Cloverfield dropped, and as much as I ended up being somewhat disappointed with the the film as a whole, when those when it was just the trailers and the the marketing, I thought, is this going to be like a hidden Godzilla movie? And we all did. Yeah, and so the idea of like a movie that you don't realize is something impactful or important until it suddenly is, is something that I just wish happened more often. Well, and, yeah. and my, one of my favorite versions of this um, from recent times that there's two, there was the whole ad campaign for the remake of, or the sequel to the Blair Witch Project that they had everybody think was a different movie. And then the first showing they revealed that it was a Blair Witch Project movie, I think is really cool. Like, but the one that really succeeded so well and spoiler alert here was split. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Um, like I don't I even remember. I remember watching the trailer for it and saying to my brother, "Hey, you know what would be really cool is if um if M Night Shyamalan made another Unbreakable, like he said he was gonna do. And wouldn't it be cool if like he did it like this? Not even thinking that I was a hundred percent right. Yeah, no. I think I'm I'm not a fan of of that trio of movies personally, but the fact that split had the balls to do that in the first exactly, place. Exactly. Cause yeah. split split splits an okay movie, but it was like, it was one of those like, wow. Okay. Shyamalan, like, doing something he, we did he's doing something different again. And what's cool about it is that the movie is a great movie without the twist. So, and Shyamalan never does that. Right. It, it, I think the only move to two movies of his, I would consider great without the twist are the sixth sense and unbreakable. The rest of them get lesser and lesser. Re, re, they're more reliant on the twist to exist and function. Um, but split like, I, I, cause I can imagine that maybe a quarter of the audience didn't even get it. You yeah. know what I mean? Cause oh, no, a lot I, of people I, saw unbreakable. And I think that's, what's great. That literally happened with my girlfriend. Cause my girlfriend is super into psychology and she's super into movies that play with psychology. So she really likes split and she literally didn't know what Bruce Willis was doing in that scene because she didn't know that the movie existed. Yeah. No, the only real problem is, unfortunately, these movies historically have not done well. So they... Related note, Evil Dead Rise is the highest grossing film in the series, grossing $146.7 million off a budget of about $19 million. And I'm going to give it... And I'm going to give it credit where credit's due because seeing this in a crowd, people eat it up. Oh, and it's, it's you not know a I mean? bad movie. It, like I said, it's it's a it's a Evil Dead greatest hits fan film yeah. that you'd make for your buddies and show off how much you get Evil Dead. And the thing you know like, what I mean. I also said like I I was talking with Seth about this after. It's like I think the problem is I'm kind of a jaded horror junkie. I've seen a lot of horror movies, and with Evil Dead, I'm like, okay, this is gonna wow me. But if you're just not that, and I'm not saying I'm not a gore hound. I don't. I'm not one of those people. I. <laughs> want to make that clear but well no the gore needs to be effective evil dead rise well, was super I mean. like, gory but it was all silly dozens of horror movies a year that is not the same as people that watch maybe one or two and for one or two this is going to be a big hit if you've watched dozens you're like okay that was okay but there wasn't anything stand out in it i get you that know? makes me curious what the dead meat channel has to say about it yeah and i the one thing i will say is i think it's gonna i'm sure it's gonna get a sequel it's warner brothers who knows what the fuck they're doing over there anymore but i think with trust in this director and maybe a longer runtime this could be something truly great because here's a question here's a question i have and this is again as someone who has not seen evil dead 2013 or evil dead rise but just listening to your to you to describe it without sam raimi specifically 
And even though you mentioned that 2013's third act gets pretty Raimi-ish, what is the, for lack of a better term, what is the essence of Evil Dead? What what does the future look like? Like, what does what makes something Evil Dead when Sam Raimi is not invest involved? It's going over the top, whether that be in your jokes or your gore or your it's it's just cranking everything to 10. Because if we go back to the Evil Dead, the comedy, the goofiness is there. The horror is over there. Everything is just going over the top. And that's, again, where the Evil Dead 2013 works is it's still going over the top. It, it needs to be over the top, but it also needs to have an air of unease. Like even Evil Dead 2, you mentioned one of the best things about it is that it might not be the scariest film ever made, but you never feel on, on axis. You always feel like the movie's about to come with a left hand out of nowhere, whether with a joke or with a tilted camera or with something that jumps out that just doesn't let you relax. And all of these have done that. Evil Dead 2013 is basically just an hour and a half long brown noise of horrific images. <laughs> um, but Evil Dead, Evil Dead Rise, while it doesn't, it's kind of tame in the gore and scare front, you never are comfortable yes. because the genius is the people that are under attack here are not teenagers. They're like 12 year olds. And let me say one thing, no one is freaking safe. Yep. And I'll give it that, that it shares Sam Raimi's, yeah, I'll kill a kid if I have to, kind of mentality that he always has in his horror movies that blows my mind. It is funny because when something like that happens in a movie, I have usually one of, I have one of two very different reactions. I'll either have the, well, that's gratuitous and I don't feel like it served anything, or wow, that was ballsy. Yes. For example, I had that latter reaction with uh, Last Voyage of the Demeter. Evil Dead Rise really does do that thing of like, okay, you're, you're taking a big swing. Is it going to pay off? Yeah. Okay, good. You didn't do that just for cheap thrills. That was actually there for your story. Good job on that front because that's a razor thin edge to walk. And, and, and Evil Dead Rise, you talked about the through line being the perfection of the Deadites. Evil Dead 2013, even though it uses a different approach, the Deadites are the freaking Deadites. Yep. And in Evil Dead Rise, the Deadites are freaking Deadites. They play around with the how and the why and the what's the purpose and how they progress. But the, the scariness of it is still there. And what's cool is that Raimi has let that propagate into his other films. Um, Spider-Man yes. 2 has a full-on Evil Dead sequence of Dr. Octopus coming to life for the first time with the arms moving around in the Raimi cam. And Multiverse and, of Madness turns Scarlet Witch into a Deadite, yes, essentially. Not, not, <laughs> not only that, but the I can't believe he pulled off some of the graphic gore that he got away with in that movie. Yeah. I just um, thought of something specifically that is not like I just I just rem, uh, thought, thought this up. It's not like I just remembered this. Something I want to also add that for me is an essence of Evil Dead is that so almost every horror movie that's about possession or demons has an element of the creature is fucking with you. And I feel like that goes back to the original, you know, the exorcist in, in a way. And, and I feel like the deadites more than any other version of that trope, make it feel like the most horrific version of I am getting my kicks from fucking with you. And I, I don't know how to it's, put it. Any it's, different it's April fool's day in hell. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I just, it's something that, to me, that is a core of Evil Dead. Like, even that trailer I saw of Evil Dead Rise, I still got that feeling of, okay, whatever's possessing this mom 
is milking that mom thing to cause as much misery as possible because that's what's fun for it. Oh yeah, go back to the first Evil Dead where they transform, you know, back into their human selves and like, oh no, Ash, I don't know what happened. Please let me out. And then immediately tries to pull him into the cellar. The Deadites are huge dicks. And my favorite, which a lot of people haven't seen, time of where the Deadites came out full force in a Sam Raimi film was Oz the Great and Powerful, where when the Wicked Witch is finally revealed, um, and I will leave people that haven't seen that movie to it. It might not be everyone's favorite Raimi movie, but he's all over it, and I can't believe Disney let him make it. Um, the Wicked Witch is a full Deadite, like not even trying to shy away from like full rotting, decomposing, blood-covered Deadite, and it's, I need- it's amazing. I definitely need to go back and rewatch that because I didn't even I didn't really know Sam Raimi at the time I watched that movie, but I think now I'd appreciate it a lot more for he's, exactly he, what you just said. He's he's all, all over it. And what I think is really interesting is if you watch that movie and the terrible, terrible Tim Burton Alice in Wonderland movie, the production designer was the same on both. And it was you can tell that like they were trying to shove that particular blue screen CG look down Raimi's throat. And his aesthetic is fighting against it tooth and nail the whole time. And it works. And I got to say, when someone said he was making a Wizard of Oz movie, my call for what the Bruce Campbell cameo would be was dead on. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, I don't remember Oz the Great. I got to rewatch that. I remember pieces of it. I remember not liking it, but I want to rewatch it. It's better than the world gave it credit for, but it it definitely is Raimi making a movie for someone else. I thought okay, if but it hadn't had that CGI hellscape, it might have been exactly. better. Exactly. Okay, so before I move on, because we've covered all of the franchise to our understanding, I'm sure there's plenty of stuff out there that's more minor that we haven't touched on. I, I wanna I'm gonna come back to what, what Chris mentioned earlier, just because like, okay, Halloween is my favorite horror movie, uh, but it's got plenty of it drops off bits. a cliff almost immediately. Yeah, like well, I mean, I'm just just count the numbers. Like in, in my opinion, there's six to seven good ones out of how many? You're being Was generous. Being six. I'm being and generous. I would, I'm being and I would say yeah, and I would say there's three good ones. So, uh, no, four. I'd give it four. Four good I'll ones. Go personally, three, if I'm well, because yeah, I'm a fan I, of I, Halloween I, one, Halloween two, Halloween 2018, and Halloween Kills are the ones that I like. Oh, I give it. It's the I, first three. Is my, is my I favorite. liked the first three new Halloweens a lot, but none of them can touch the original two. <laughs> but I like them a lot. Oh yeah. I'm not well um, actually I think Halloween but, 2018 gets pretty I, close but, but I really like H2O and Season of the Witch even but yeah so it, that. so it definitely has I mean Curse of Michael Myers is one of the worst <sighs> horror movies ever made honestly or five and like Resurrection are three of the worst films yeah. ever made I think that the most impressive horror franchise for me is probably Friday the 13th for one reason it's the only franchise of any genre I can think of ever where the best one in the franchise is number six I can't think of any other franchise that's true by a landslide yeah like that like the closest I could think of is that Mad Max's best one is number four but yeah, number six being the best one, which is the one where Jason actually becomes a zombie. That's so crazy for me to think about. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I'm, I'm trying to think of... Um, Nightmare so, has some terrible ones. Yeah, <laughs> so, so, see, so see if you can shoot this out. I, I made a list of, of off the top of my head, and we, we could even do a deeper dive episode talking about this more. But to me, the eight 
big ones that could be considered in the running just for being long running, right? I, I wouldn't count something with two or three movies to be a franchise, but you know, more than that, I put Evil Dead at number one and and Scream at number two. Well, here's the you thing get... I was going to say about Scream. I saw Scream anniversary thing in theaters, and the thing that impressed me about Scream, because I've had a mixed opinion about Scream my whole life, because I saw it first when I was way young, and now, like, as much as I love Halloween, it doesn't scare me. I love Halloween from a film standpoint, for a lot of reasons. And nothing in Friday the 13th scares me. The nightmare doesn't scare me anymore. Slashers don't scare me. And yet I was actually scared in Scream. I was really surprised about that. So I give that points to Scream. Scream, Scream. Scream scares the crap out of me because it's the first slasher I saw that it, where I was the age that it was targeted at to be. A, so it was like 1990, you know, whatever, like suburban life is what that movie's targeting. And the Halloween movies and other things never resonated with being as scary to me because the time period was so much prior. But like the way these kids acted reminded me of kids I knew and the level of like safety, i.e. their lack of like resonated really well. You know, it's kind of like if you were, you know, a 12 year old when you watch a movie like The Black Phone in the 80s, you know, or something. There's just something that resonates with me with Scream that I can't help but as silly and as ridiculous as they get. The terror of that slasher and what he's able to do to people really fucks with me. I also love anything Matthew Lillard does. He's a great and, psycho. Yeah, that. absolutely. And I've heard from people who are big, like two different people who are huge fans of Scream that it's got a Richter scale of quality with the movies where they get either very good or very terrible. I would so, argue there's only one really terrible one, and that's three. And that's under uh, Craven. I have anyway, my so own you, feelings on five and six. So you said Evil Dead, then Scream. Yeah, then then Insidious. Okay. I, I don't feel there's a bad Insidious film. They they How they, many are there? There are now five. There are five Insidious films? Yep. Fuck, I only watched two of them. <laughs> yeah, and they, they remain they about equal, even quality across the board. Not great. And the, but the coolest not... the coolest thing is the newest one is uh, written and directed by Patrick Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's his directorial debut and it's kind of great. Huh. Okay. Huh. Yeah. So but that's the interesting thing about the evil dead in terms of quality no other horror franchise can touch i, I it's funny because i remember when evil dead 2013 was announced i, I was paying enough attention to the internet because 2013 i had been in college for a bit so i started yeah i started getting like into internet content people i remember seeing all of the doomsayers because there were other horror remakes that had already happened i guess that were terrible but i wasn't really paying attention to that point and then i remember hearing like nothing after it came out but my point my point being that that the 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 basic description that started this this conversation over here of there isn't a bad evil dead is a fucking miracle when you look at any other horror uh, franchise yes well right and and look at the others at play here right like to me the fourth the fourth most um successful is child's play um the first one is really good. The second one is really good. The third one is hot garbage. Um, Bride of Chucky is okay. Seed of Chucky is not good, even though it's the original creator regaining his property. Then he made a couple of low-budget ones that are fine. There's the not-great remake with Mark Hamill, but Mark Hamill does a great job. Yeah, I was going to say, it's Mark Hamill. He's at least going to own the show. Um, but then but then the TV show is like Ash versus Evil Dead level good. Yeah, so it's, it's and like, it's, and it's, it's weird. It's also, it's a sh- it shifts so much. 
like Child's Play to Seed of Chucky, you could not contest this is the same franchise. Exactly. Um, and then under Child's Play, I put Saw. And I only put Saw there. Again, I, I know that that works to varying levels for people. Well, but I've but I've never found a Saw film disinteresting. There's well, here's ones the thing. that are bad. I want to make my stance about Saw really quick here. Because I think that there's a lot of people who undervalue Saw for easily understood reasons. Because Saw is very easy to write off as gore porn. And it is. I'm not going to claim it isn't that. Especially the third and fourth one. Oh, yeah. God. But one thing that makes Saw interesting, if not good, but interesting, is that the story is fucking insane and gets yes. more insane in every subsequent movie. There's a I, lot of I, thought going into it. There's a lot of there's a lot of playfulness and reinvention. And I, again, I give credit to anything that started as a short film that got polished off to become a longer film. And its whole sole purpose is to draw in horror fans and then mess with their heads. Yeah, it's like, just that, that was... any anytime I hear someone be like, "Oh, Saw is just horror stuff," I'm like, no, you are undervaluing the soap opera level of insanity that goes on with the plot twists. It's, it's wild. And what's crazy is Saw has two two movies in a row the first two that depending on your mileage with saw are arguably great horror films and then the third and fourth one which even though they're bad movies and really are torture porn to like the nth degree do really cool stuff with the story because they kind of take place at the same time as the first two so it's like a cool play around with time and all that but then like the movie turns around and decides that oh, no now this villain that you've been like kind of thanos half understanding but also he's vile for these movies now all of a sudden has a real reason for you to kind of get behind him and it, it's weird and and like they make it all like anti-government and pro um pro uh um uh, what's the word pro Canadian healthcare, healthcare for everyone. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I'm like, wow, what did where did this come from? And it, it's I, a uh, weird. It's interesting if it's not good. Anyway, like, continue your list. No, see, and then below saw I put The Conjuring because even though I'd love to say that anything made by the people that make Insidious would be equally as successful, the first Conjuring film is great. The second one is fine. The newest one, are there four or is there just a There's newest just the one? Three. It's Conjuring One, Conjuring the newest Two. One I, is... I admit I could not watch three only because two, as as successful as two is at what it does, the grossness behind yeah. it got to me in two. Exactly, and three three's just not good. And um, all of the spinoffs besides the Annabelle movie that um, if we're counting the third made. Annabelle, or... yeah, and Mike Flanagan made one of them, which is why that that amazes me. Wait, Flanagan um, made one. No, oh, sorry. Flanagan was um, Flanagan, Flanagan was did Ouija. the sequel to Ouija. Which Flanagan was Ouija. Ouija. This this is the guy that did Lights Out. Yeah. Either way, it's really either way, right. it's really good. It's, it's the guy. It's the guy who made um, Shazam. Yeah. Um, uh, but 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 I still like I like the Conjuring movie. I, I hate the reality of those people. Yeah. But I like the Conjuring movie, and the second one has great scares. I just don't like the movie all that much. Um. And seventh, I put Nightmare on Elm Street. Eighth, I put Friday the 13th. And then I feel like Halloween and everything else just kind of is jumbled under there. I think you undervalued Nightmare, but I probably overvalue Nightmare because Robert England's good all the way through. The What's Nightmare funny, on Elm Street films, there's not one of them that you can't watch. Two, two but, things. But there's some of them that are terrible. Yeah, yeah, two things I'll say about that. I would 
I would put Friday up higher, not because I think that there's like better movies in there than the other franchises, because I feel like Friday, with the exception of Friday 6, which is, I think, legitimately awesome, has this consistent level of mediocre with spots of it's a consistent quality, I think, except for Um, except for Jason Goes to Manhattan, which is terrible. But I think it's made up. This is very fair. And the thing is, is they they were done in a different time. So maybe they get more points for just like the rest of these that we kind of list here. People want franchises now. Like, I don't know if Nightmare and Friday were just kind of like every next one could be the last. So they just kind of went for it. That's true. Well, what's funny is even though, even though I say that, even though I say Jason goes, Manhattan's terrible, it's really only terrible because it fails to live up to the promise. But if you look at the movie for what it is, it's fun as hell. The other thing I want to say is uh, Candyman. (laughs) Yeah, but there's not that many of them. I know, but you mentioned Conjuring. Because we're supposed to be talking about (laughs) the Conjuring Conjuring is its franchise. Remember, it's all about the spinoffs. Okay, you've got the spinoffs. I'll accept it. Candyman, there is not a bad Candyman movie. Um, There's some lower quality ones. But God, that newest Candyman movie is a Candyman ping pongs. But anyways, bringing us back to The Evil Dead as a franchise is impressive because... As you just listened to us talk about, it's bulletproof. It has yet to make a truly bad movie. Even its worst examples, like, you know what? That's good popcorn horror. Yeah. I, I agree. And, and, and t- you know, if you take the Ash versus Evil Dead show, I mean, that's three seasons. That's yeah, an additional, like, that's an additional four good. movies. You know, I want to put a pin in the three of us need to talk about more horror, fr- and probably get Slag at the wrong, just to talk about more horror franchises another time. Yes. Oh, and there's there's ones we're missing for sure. I just I thought it was a good enough topic to, I'd 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 hate yeah, to just like, say I'd hate to make the statement Evil Dead is the most successful bulletproof horror franchise, and then not at least mention a few. Yeah, so when like I've got into the comments, they'll go, oh, you did talk about some others. Okay. Yeah. Like I'm not claiming it belongs in your list, but I've got relevant things to say about Final Destination, for example. But another time. Oh so, no, Final Destination does belong on that list. I kind of forgot about it when I wrote this. Sorry. Listen, Again, we can talk Final Destination on there. We got to put Phantasm on here. If we're letting anyone on. We'll we'll talk about it later. I want to have that conversation. We'll talk <laughs> later. <laughs> Anyways, yes. Let us transition to the guest plug. Chris, you remember the guest plug? You invented the guest plug. Hey, my name is Chris. Um, you can find podcasts and videos and all kinds of fun stuff that I do at the Chippa Made This by searching the Chippa Made This or looking for me, Chris Chipman, on YouTube. Um, if you like podcasts, I, I do many of them. Um, I do one called Creating Geeks with my wife, where we talk about sharing stuff from our childhood with our kids. I do one called Shooting the Shit with Chippa, which is me basically having a conversation like I had with these fine guys tonight about whatever people want to talk about. I have another one called The Chipman Brothers Tangent with my brother, Bob, Movie Bob Chipman. You may have heard of him. He's kind of great. And I also do the Talkbuster podcast, which out of context, concept is still my favorite concept I've come up with because it just lets me talk about video rental and blockbuster video and I started doing it before I knew there was going to be a final blockbuster in the world in Bend, Oregon and I've also had them on my show to talk about their store and their movie and I'm just a really 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 lucky guy to be one of a million other bearded white dudes that have a podcast um that manages to find some interesting people to talk to um if you enjoy my shows and you're contributing patron to me, I would hope you would be a contributing patron to these fine gentlemen because I'm a shield brother and I love this show. And we love having you. And after the guest plug, it's time for our suggestions of the week. And I'll start us off, which is I literally just today discovered a YouTube channel called Explain with Bad Doodles, which is just a guy 
talking about stuff he likes and animating it. And there's a bunch of people like that online I've discovered over the last couple of years, and I just found him funny. So, you know, go check out his YouTube channel, Explain with Bad Doodles. If you like it, cool. If not, eh, it's all good. Ulrich? All right. I'm going to keep on theme as I have been in the, all our episodes so far. I'm going to suggest an incredible series I just finished called The Outsider. Uh, Listening. Outsider is a limited series that is based on a book by Stephen King. And the pitch of the story is uh, it basically opens with there has been a horrifying child abduction, child murder, and all of the evidence points to the character played by Jason Bateman having done it. The DNA evidence, multiple witnesses, videos, everything says he did it. There's only one problem. He was not in town and there's as much evidence to support. He wasn't in town or near it as there is to say he did it. So how could he have committed this murder and he wasn't anywhere near it? Uh, it's got a great cast. It's, it's led by Ben Mendelsohn playing the detective who honestly believes that, yeah, he did it because all the evidence says he did it. But how does he explain all this other evidence? And I'm not going to spoil it for you because it goes wild, weird, interesting places as a Stephen King property will. But it's really fucking good. All right, Chris, suggestion. So um, I had forgotten until I read through your notes that um, we do one of these because it's been so long, but I came up with one and that I've probably mentioned it on here before. And it's one that a lot of people mention and talk about, but since it's Bootober and since I watched through um, all three of them again, and I'm very excited about the new one coming out, I want to talk about Hell House LLC. Have either of you guys heard of this or seen them? I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it because you've talked to the director of at least one of them. Uh, he made them all. Um, wrote, wrote and directed them all. His name's Steve Cognetti. He's awesome. I hope to get him back on the show. But what's really cool about Hell House LLC is that it, it does unfortunately fall into the found footage genre of horror films, ah, which right. is is the is the lazy podcasting way of making horror movies. Yes, I know. <laughs> but, um, but what I, I still found, love Chronicle. Anyway, what I found really unique about Hell House LLC is it's the most authentic feeling found footage movie I've seen in a long time. Mileage varies with the sequels. I'll, I'll get I'll get to why in a minute, but. What's great about Hell House LLC is that it it follows that Blair Witch Project style of this is a bunch of footage that was found and compiled together by somebody so it can have a little bit of cinematic editing to it without it seeming, you know, fake, you know, in, in that respect. But what's cool about it is the idea is you're following a group of people that were documenting themselves creating like a haunt in upstate New York and you don't know why but for some reason they had to leave where they're normally doing their haunted house every year and move to upstate New York and as the film unfolds you learn more and more about the whys and the hows and the things of that nature to you know create drama and stuff but the main thing is for some reason the guy that runs this group of people is taking them to upstate New York and he's rented out this old abandoned hotel where a whole bunch of screwed up shit supposedly happened but don't worry it's just the locals being crazy and they're gonna set up Shop, but since they don't have a ton of money they have to stay there and it's basically like what if the shining was a found footage movie um and i mean that in like the best way because instead of it being like jump scares of like you know apparitions appearing and coming out of the walls it's just kind of things that happen in almost broad daylight and cool camera tricks and like you know the camera will walk down a hall and peer into a room and then walk back and bump into a thing in the hallway that wasn't there before you know and it's really well done not music cued 
scares that stick with you and the story is really damn good this movie ended up getting her shutter release it was like a local independent film um and it did so well on shutter they had the guy immediately make two more i love how he was able to expand on the lore in the sequels and that's like there's a whole underground contingent of people that are just frothing for these movies right i've had some of them on my show um but what's really cool is that he made these three movies they were fairly popular and he was going to make a tv show on Shutter called the Abaddon Tapes, which was about all these video cassettes they find in the third movie that doesn't go anywhere, right? They don't close that thread. And the crowdfunding campaign didn't work out, but he took that and is making a movie called the Carmichael Manor, which Carmichael was one of the people that was supposedly part of the cult that died in the hotel and watch the movie and you'll see it. But this is about a family that moves into his home and similar weird crap may or may not tied to the hotel starts happening and the trailer just dropped it's coming out on halloween and i love these movies they're really spooky they're really creepy and um i can't wait to see his new one so that's what i got All right excellent so with that fine note we'd like to thank you for listening we'd like to remind you to like share subscribe do all the things that podcasts demand of you because you enjoyed this you want others to enjoy this so do us a favor do all the things and whatever platform you're currently listening to us on well thank you for doing that if that platform itself was a compromise because we weren't on the platform you want us to be on well tell us what that one was and as long as it is feasible for us well they can happen as we are always, legion <laughs> as always this has been lord commander Ulrich and his shield brother axel Wright. be sure to tune in next time and as always stay honorable